Hey there, this is the Hello Personality Podcast, the place for curious and open people who want to take their personality type from a casual curiosity to a life-changing path for growth. I'm Leslie McDaniel, and this is Season 2, Episode 7. And in this episode, we're going to take a deeper look at the Enneagram types and subtypes that are in the heart center. If you're just now joining me here on the podcast, or if this is your first episode of season two, where we're focusing on the Enneagram instead of the 16 type system, I would encourage you to check out episode four before listening to this episode, especially if the concepts of the Enneagram instincts are new to you. If the idea of a center of intelligence is new to you as well, that's okay. But I would encourage you to at least listen to the introduction to episode five, where I go into the concept of what a center of intelligence is. Okay, so let's dive into the heart center. So since we're focused on the heart center in this episode, we'll be looking at the three Enneagram types that are on the right side of the Enneagram symbol and that are located in the heart center of intelligence. And those are two, threes, and fours. Just like the body center is accessible to all Enneagram types, like we discussed in episodes five and six, the heart center is also available as a source of wisdom and intelligence for all Enneagram types. It's just that twos, threes, and fours have more energy centered in their heart center than in the other two centers, the body or the head. But what does this mean on a practical level? Well, the heart types primarily experience reality and take in information through emotions. And this can be through experiencing emotions, either their own or others, or through the expression of emotions. And again, either through their own or others. This doesn't mean though that they're always outwardly emotional or that they always even know what their own emotions are. That can be true, but it may not be true for all heart types all the time. Being a heart center type means that their understanding of the world comes through having an emotional read on people or situations. Heart center types also need to feel like they're connecting with someone in order to really understand things or to be understood. And this understanding or sense of being understood often comes through things like receiving feedback or affirmations from other people and a knowing in their hearts, that is, that they are accepted by others. Heart types tend to need these things much more than any of the other types on the Enneagram. With heart types, there's a major focus on relationships and being accepted by those that they're in relationship with. And this can cause the heart types to adapt in some way in order to not be rejected. Information and knowledge about others in the world is first received through their heart and through feelings first which means that there's a ton of energy located and concentrated in the chest area for heart types, rather than in the belly as it is for body types or the head as it is for head types. Even though the idea of emotional intelligence is gaining traction and interest in general, the intelligence that comes from the heart is often undervalued in my opinion, especially when compared to the head intelligence, which we'll get to in upcoming episodes. This is similar to what I talked about with the body center intelligence and the lack of appreciation that people generally have for the instinctual knowing that comes from that center. Just like body types have an interesting relationship with the core emotion of anger, all heart types 
have an interesting relationship with sadness, which is the core emotion for the heart center. Or it's sometimes described as grief or even shame. And we'll talk more about this when we get into each subtype in a minute. So let's begin with type two. You know from season two, episode three, that the emotional passion or struggle for type two is called pride. And this is about making themselves out to be more important than they really are, or being the person who can meet the needs of others and not having any needs of their own. You can go back and listen to that episode if you want to learn more about what that means and how it might play out for type twos. But today, we're going to look at how do the three subtypes of type two relate to the passion of pride. As I go through each description, keep in mind that the dominant instincts and passion that motivate each subtype may be largely unconscious. And keep in mind, because a lot of this may be largely unconscious, it may be difficult to hear. But know that all of us have patterns and struggles that we're working on. And the point of sharing all of this with you is for your own awareness, for your own increase in consciousness. So be kind to yourself as you're listening, and I ask that you listen with an open mind so that you might be able to see some of these patterns play out for you if you are a heart type. Let's start with the social two. This is the two that has the social instinct as their dominant instinct for survival. And in the social two, we see their social instinct combined with the passion of pride to create a drive to be someone important to be someone powerful and someone who can influence groups. Their dominant instinct and passion are mechanisms that the social two uses to meet their needs. And those needs are to be admired, to be important, and to be seen as someone who can sway these groups. These things fuel their pride. The social two's sense of sadness comes from the feeling that they aren't lovable without this power, influence, and admiration from others. The sexual two sees the sexual instinct and the passion of pride funneled towards being highly attractive, pleasing, generous, and lavishing attention on specific people that they want to be in relationship with. They want to inspire a great passion in that other person, the person to whom their attention is directed, and their hope is that all of their own needs will be met by this person. Their pride is expressed by being the person who can win over this other person and being the person who will then give them whatever it is that they want or need. The sexual two sadness lives underneath the need to attract these specific other people because without that, they feel that they aren't lovable. The type two that has the dominant instinct for self-preservation or the self-pres two is the counter type for twos. This means that they go against the flow, the natural flow of their passion of pride. So instead of using their wiles, so to speak, to attract specific others or influencing and being admired by groups, this subtype of type two is going to be a more behind the scenes type. And they tend to use charm and friendliness and even maybe a childlike way of being in order to receive some sort of special treatment like a child might, so that others will take care of them and their needs. They want to be loved just for who they are. And as a result, the self-preservation type two 
may not feel like they're quite as giving as the stereotypical two is thought to be. The self-pres two sadness is underneath their need to be loved and accepted for who they are and not what they provide for others. So in summary, all type twos have the core emotion of sadness or grief or loss underneath their conscious or unconscious desire to have their needs met by others as a way of showing them, the two, that they are lovable or worthy of love. Their heart intelligence or energy is able to discern the needs of others and is able to become the one who meets their needs. How they do that depends on their dominant instinct, as we've been talking about. And of course, the self-pres too, as the countertype, looks a little different because they go against the natural flow of the passion of pride. Let's move on to type three. The emotional passion or struggle for type three is self-deceit. This passion causes the type three to unconsciously shapeshift, to become and present themselves as an idealized image of whatever the people they're with will approve of and whatever will cause admiration. So in the social three, or the three that has a dominant social instinct, this emotional passion plays out as becoming the face of achievement, looking good to others, and being at the top of the social ladder, impacting people and getting things done. This type of three is more openly vain than the other type of threes, and they're the most competitive and aggressive three. This is the result of their motivation to be the person at the top who has this flawless image. As a heart type though, they still have an underlying and likely unconscious sadness due to the need to feel accomplished and to be seen in a good light in order to have value and worth. In the sexual three, their dominant sexual instinct causes them to direct their attention toward a significant other or other important people in their lives. They create a very attractive image for these people and they direct their attention toward supporting them and their achievements. They will work towards elevating and promoting and supporting these significant others. And in turn, they, the type three, the sexual three, will feel validation by association with these important people. So once again, sadness is underneath the sexual three's behavior that I've just described because without these coping mechanisms, they feel like they don't have enough worth on their own. The sexual three is more likely to experience more sadness and more emotions in general than the other type threes. So as the countertype, the self-preservation type three goes against the passion of self-deceit by not expressing vanity in the same way that the other threes do, but by feeling that they aren't vain and actively trying to go against vanity by not being so open about their desire to look good and be successful and whatever that may mean in their world. They want to be good and they work really hard at being the best at being good. Even though these threes are more behind the scenes than the other type threes, the self-preservation three still wants to be recognized and to receive credit for their participation or work on a project or task. Due to their self-preservation instinct, these type threes are extremely hard workers who are highly focused on having security and stability around material things. So for all type threes who have the core struggle or emotional passion of self-deceit, they deceive themselves by shape-shifting and becoming what others will admire. 
And they do this as a way of earning their worth or value or love. As a heart center type, they use their heart intelligence to read a room or to read individuals so that they can discern what will cause other people to not only approve of them, but to admire them as well. And of course, this is acted out differently depending on their dominant instinct for survival. Okay, let's talk about type four, the final heart type. As you probably know, this is my type. And when I first learned about the Enneagram, I remember thinking how it felt both exhilarating and terrifying to share my personality type because of all that it reveals to anyone who knows a little bit about the Enneagram. And as a four, there's a dual and sometimes competing desire to be known as well as to be a mystery to others. But anyway, here we go with the type fours. Type fours struggle with the core emotional pattern of envy, and that's a direct result of feeling that they're lacking or missing something that others seem to have. And this creates this special connection to sadness that we've been talking about for all heart types. Type fours typically see positive traits and good things in other people, but they have more difficulty seeing those things in themselves. So let's start with the social four. The social four is the four that is the most communicative about their pain and sadness and suffering. They're more visibly sad as well. And when they do the comparison with others that all type fours do, because envy creates comparison, they tend to end up on the bottom, feeling inferior, which creates an outward expression of their sadness and pain. Even though they may do things to make themselves unique and different, as all fours tend to do, they still have a desire, likely unconscious, to be connected to the group. When they compare themselves to others in a group, they put themselves on the outside as someone who doesn't fit in. While they may feel that being different makes them special or unique, they also don't want to experience the rejection of being on the outside. In the sexual subtype of type 4, the dominant sexual instinct combines with envy to create a lot of anger, which covers up the underlying sadness that they experience when they feel hurt or when they feel less than others or when they don't get what they feel that they need from other people. They end up turning their suffering outward so that other people suffer as a result. Their sexual instinct makes them boldly unashamed and unafraid to ask for what they want from others. And other people become the target of their anger and of their suffering due to the feeling that the other person is the reason that the sexual four doesn't have what they want or need. When the sexual four compares themselves to others, they tend to come out in a superior position. And the self-preservation four. This is the countertype for type fours. And as a result, they go against the natural flow of the passion of envy by working really hard to get what they feel like they're lacking. Envy or a feeling of lack as the motivator for this hard work may be unconscious for these type fours especially before they've worked with their Enneagram-related patterns. These type fours are more stoic and reserved when it comes to their emotions when you compare them to other type fours, and they may even suppress their pain and sadness in order to get into action to go get what they believe is missing. These fours may come across as strong and even happy on the outside, but it masks their deep internalized pain, sadness, and long-suffering. 
When self-pressed fours compare themselves to others, they can come out as inferior at times and superior at other times. And this can be influenced by whether or not they have their social or sexual instinct second in their instinctual sequence. To summarize, all type fours experience sadness as a result of envy or because of the comparison that they do with other people or the comparison that they can even do with different versions of themselves, either in the past or in the future. These other people or these different versions of themselves all seem to have something that the type four feels is missing. The heart intelligence for the type four also creates a focus on the connection or disconnection between others, which further highlights the feeling that something is missing in these relationships. So there you have it for the heart types, types two, three, and four. Their main source of energy is centered in the heart, and it allows them to understand others through an emotional read of people and situations. If you think you might be a heart type, or if you resonate with one of the subtypes I've described in this episode, I encourage you to take note of your center and subtype related patterns. You might even want to go back and re-listen to this episode when you can take a few notes to help you in your self-reflections and self-observations. Or if you think you may be a body type, type 8, 9, or 1, you can do the same with episodes 5 and 6 right before this episode. And if you think you might be a head type, Hold on, because those are coming. In the next episode, though, we have a guest interview with Steph Baron Hall of Nine Types Co. Steph will share with us about her experience as a heart type, what it's like to have energy centered in the heart, and what it's like to have the sexual or one-to-one instinct as dominant, and also what it's like to be a sexual three subtype, especially when she initially thought that she was a social dominant type. In this interview with Steph, I also share some of my own experiences as a self-preservation type four because I'm also a heart type. I really think you're going to enjoy listening to my conversation with her. In the meantime, if you want personalized help in finding your Enneagram core type and subtype, and you would like to discover the practical growth ideas to help you with where you are in your life right now, I'd really love to chat with you. You can go to hellopersonality.com slash Enneagram to apply to work together in the Enneagram Level 1 package. I absolutely love helping curious and growth-oriented people like you to find your accurate Enneagram type so that you can begin or continue your personal growth journey with this system and the many, many avenues for growth that are available to you through the Enneagram. You know, it's not an exaggeration to say that this system in particular has been life-changing for me. It has helped me really understand who I am underneath the Enneagram personality mask. And it has helped me to understand what it is that I'm really seeking. And it's also helped me to zero in on the most impactful growth steps to help me release the narrow restraints that are caused by my Enneagram personality patterns. And you know what? My clients experience the same thing. Marcy who is a client who sought to work with me with both her 16 types personality and her Enneagram type, she said this, Working with Leslie has brought awareness to those unhelpful habits, which has allowed me to acknowledge and move past regrets that were preventing me from stepping forward into the life I want to create. If you want to feel empowered to take steps forward to create the life that you want, let's work together. You know, life is finite. 
And I really want to help you focus on what matters most so that you can live each day with greater focus, impact, and fulfillment. And again, that application can be found at hellopersonality.com slash Enneagram. And I know you may be driving or exercising or doing something else that prevents you from writing that down. So you can just remember my website, Hello Personality, and you can follow the path to the Enneagram there. Thank you so much for listening. I really, really appreciate having you along for the ride. Just know that I really appreciate you and I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for you. So thank you so much. Okay, so I'll see you in the next episode with my interview with Steph. Until then, take care.